0: It's time now for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolos. You can find our group on Facebook. We're also on Twitter, at Pinball Profile. Emails pinballprofile at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. And check us out on Instagram, at Pinball Profile. We're going to go to Australia right now because many of us here on this side of the world are certainly thinking about what's going on there. I'm going to be going there very, very soon. So our good friend Ryan C., who you remember from the beginnings of the Head to Head Pinball Podcast, joins us right now. Hello, Ryan. How are you? G'day, Jeff. I'm going pretty well. Yourself? Now, is g'day something you actually say all the time? Because I don't say a all the time. I guess I do a little bit. I don't say sorry or boot. Do you actually say g'day?
1: You do say a boot a lot. Um, I do not. I, I, I say g'day every once in a while. It's a very friendly term. Um, but when you talk to, to foreigners um, or you know, when I was traveling through the US, you've got to put it on a bit, right? You've got to let people know that you're from Australia.
0: I don't really go out of my way to look and sound Canadian. It's not like I smell of bacon or maple syrup. I guess I do, actually, now that I think about it. Your
1: entire house smells like maple syrup, Jeff. <laughs> It's your when uh, when I when I when I took a massive dump in your house and I got, and I got the little spray out it was it was maple syrup spray I'll tell you a little secret that's funny
0: I can't even remember the last time I had maple syrup you can't, you can't even remember the last time you said sorry Jeff I can't I can't remember the last time I went skating so I'm you know in fact when I was in Europe in Denmark in October I was on team USA so I'm Mr. Global, all right? I know, sorry, Pitbull's Mr. Worldwide, but I'm Mr. Pinball Worldwide, I think. <laughs> Listen, we're definitely going to talk about the seriousness of the fires that are going on there, and we're certainly thinking of what's going on in New South Wales. We will definitely 100% get to that. And talk about how you can help too. So we'll save that for the end of the program. So uh, I definitely want to get into that because you know we're coming there. Everyone's saying, hey, is everything okay? So I thought I'd reach out to Ryan. Is everything okay? But I do want to talk about the massive growth of pinball in Australia. I would say maybe the biggest growth in any area in the world. And I know there's a lot more tournaments happening all over. But just the explosion of players and
1: tournaments in Australia, you're kind of to blame. Uh, I don't think I'm I'm to blame. I was I was ushered in through. Through someone, uh, you know, my uh, podcasting buddy, Marty Robbins. And, um, from that, I guess I got the bug and then I try and, and help grow that in any way that I can. And, and that's how pinball grows, right? Um, no one's going to open up a newspaper or, or see something and say, Oh, I'm going to rock up to this random tournament. Um, you really need kind of like friends and family or whoever it is to hold your hand through the process and introduce you to, uh, the wonderful world of competitive pinball. Well,
0: let's think about that because I remember in the early days of head-to-head, you were always the guy talking about collecting and how the machines were and the sounds and, and all these kind of things that collectors think about. And playing in competitions was the furthest thing from your mind.
1: What was the switch? What gave you that competitive bug? I talked about it a lot on the podcast and it was, I guess the first- I fir- didn't listen. <laughs> I, um, they, they were three hours long. The first time I went, I kind of had a- slightly negative experience and and looking back on it now it wasn't even that horrible um i guess maybe it was a bit of an ego shock and and the fact i didn't really know many people there it's daunting you run tournaments now jeff and you probably say you know why can't i get more people in or why can't i get the people that come for the first time to come again and it's, it's because it's, it's new. Um, and so people, people have egos. People set their tilts super loose at home on their machines. They think they're heroes. And then they come and they play in a tournament and they expect the machines to play exactly how they play at home. And sometimes it's not the case.
0: What was the experience that jaded you and thought, oh, I'm not
1: going to do any more of this? There was a couple of people um, at this particular tournament um, that were a little bit rough and uh, rough around the edges. It turns out they were literally just random people that rocked up to this one tournament. So it was just like they weren't part of the regular community. Well, let's call them out by name. Let's
0: get these. Uh, <laughs> I can't let's remember. <laughs> but, um, let's put but, them on pinball's most wanted
1: list. Let's do it. But the, the biggest shock to me was. Um, Richard Rhodes. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest shock to me was like, I think I had like um, a Kiss pinball machine at home. And, um, you know, the way I had it set up and the way you learn the feeds off your machine, I, I couldn't score, like, less than, say, like, 50 or 60 million on this machine. And then you set up to this, you step up to the, this machine in a competition setting, and I guess your nerves or the way the machine is set up gets the better of you. And I think I remember I scored, like, 8 million or so, and like, I couldn't figure out. I'm like, well, that's kind of, like, not fun. Like, I have more fun at home blowing up my machines. But then, as I said, I, I got reintroduced by by Marty, uh, I guess, a year and a half later. And uh, fast forward another year and a half, and I'm now the official state rep. Um, I've run – I can't don't. I remember how many times I've run this year, probably 30 or so. And um, I'm running the state champs. I don't know. I'm pretty into competitive pinball, Jeff. For sure. Now, if you think of your first
0: experience
1: – I know,
0: and you know, as running tournaments, you don't want the games to be playing forever and forever, especially in flip frenzy. So you do have to maybe tighten the tilts, maybe knock off some rubbers, depending on the type of tournament, that kind of thing. You still want it to be enjoyable. You still want people to be able to play, but now you're in that TD role. How do you find the balance between the great players? And there are many, Jason Lambert, Richard Rhodes, so many in Marty, for example, in Australia that are wonderful players, but how do you make it enjoyable for the new players too, so that they don't have the experience you once had?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a very difficult one, especially with um with what kind of format you run. Because you can say, hey, let's run a flip frenzy because then, you know, eventually everybody's gonna get a win. But the person who comes last might play 25 games and, and lose 24 of them. So that just because they got one win doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna they're gonna come back. Um, Stacy Borg, <laughs> what I what I did this year um, with the the, the major uh, kind of like the, the monthly tournament that I run. I ran, sorry, was I did five rounds of match play and then I split everyone up into groups. So A division, B division, C and D and however many divisions it took to filter down everyone who came. So everyone was kind of in their, I guess, their their bracket of, of how good they are. And everyone played finals. Because I think um, it's a big thing when someone, uh, not accidentally, but they they, they stumble into finals for the first time and they freak out because, like, oh, my gosh, it's a final. Uh, Things are more serious now and I'm playing against the good players. Whereas if they're always playing finals you know, regardless if it was A, B, C, or D, at least then they're kind of getting that finals-like experience. So um, it was extremely hard to run that format, especially, you know, TDing and playing and, you know, at a bar, fixing issues. But I got a lot of good feedback about that format. I'll tell you what, that is a great idea. And
0: obviously we see Pinberg do that because they have a thousand players and they take 40 for A, B, C, D, and E. So 200 people get to play playoff experience and some of those people in maybe the lower you know C D and E divisions are getting playoff experience for the first time and that's only going to make them more excited like you say and maybe less nervous the next time they get in playoffs and
1: maybe catch that bug so yeah, just like, um, Dr. Pin, again, you know, a Christian line, um, you can listen to, to Mrs. Pin, Pinball podcast, and it's, just, I, I love that podcast, I still listen to it every single time they have an episode, and you can hear the excitement in their voice, and even, um, in Sarah's voice when she's talking about, like, um, you know, cheering on her husband, like, he was in the, the finals for, I can't remember if it was D or E, it, it doesn't matter, whatever it was, it's exciting. So, um, little wins for everybody. You can't set up machines to be, and sometimes I'm accused of this. Like I'm, I'm setting up the machine for the, the best player in the tournament because certain structures, if you have one or two good players, can delay the entire tournament by hours. So the tournament structure and the tournament format is pretty important um, to make sure everyone can go home on time, right?
0: There's a big event in Australia. And again, at your place, 32 of the best players. Is it a state finals? Is that what it is?
1: Yeah, I decided um, last year to try, just for fun, because Queensland was doing it, and I guess the easiest way for me to try and grow pinball in Victoria, my state, is to to try and, and, and parrot or mimic what is happening in uh, Queensland, because guys like Jimmy Nails and uh, Jason Lambert and everyone there are growing it and doing such a good job at ushering in pinball that um, there's, there's no uh, to reinvent the wheel, just kind of like try and do what they're doing on a, on a smaller scale. I set up my rules for a, a, state final. Um, we're doing a double elimination bracket. The top 16 seeds get, um, double chance, four player groups, possible nine rounds. I'm not sure how long it's going to go for. Instead of doing like prize, like charging people to go and doing like prize money, um, the entry fee basically covers like a custom made WWE style, like a wrestling bout, um, that says, you know, Victorian state pinball champion. I got the idea from uh, Tommy Skinner from uh, this Flippin podcast. He uh, does a similar thing um, in Indiana, but his is a kind of like a, a recurring belt that you can challenge and win off a, a player. But I thought it'd be cool to just have a belt just for the entire year that you can uh, enjoy yourself. I like that idea, too. And I know the Papa Circuit had
0: the belt originally, now part of the Stern Pro Circuit. The belts are neat. I mean, the trophies are
1: great too. They're expensive. Um, I, I, I asked around, and that the the, um, the Stern Pro Circuit belt just looks amazing. And uh, I, I inquired about how how much that costs roughly, and yeah, it's it's close to a thousand Australian dollars. So I had to go for the slightly cheaper option, but it still looks amazing. Did you just go to Costco and get like the biggest belt you could do and just kind of bedazzle it, go Mrs. Pinn kind of topper <laughs> style? And- <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no, there's no Mrs. Pinn version um, in, in Australia, so I did buy it from the U.S. I am, I'm doing the, my best to support the U.S. economy.
0: You were talking about Jimmy Nails and what they do in Queensland. Well, Brisbane Masters was something that I'd mentioned, Jimmy, in the top 10 most intriguing people uh, for 2019 because that big event So many different things. I mean, you had Colin Urban and you had Escher show up there from America. And I think they've actually made a statue of Colin Urban. But (laughs) Jimmy really, as you were saying, Queensland's already kind of had that culture. But to do something like that, 10 different events, is that your next project? It's going to be. I know you.
1: Yes, uh, I I did um, attend a couple of days of the Brisbane Masters, and um, I I did get some ideas from it. But I'm really impatient, <laughs> so I don't I don't like multi-day tournaments. I don't like I can't hold my concentration for longer than um, say five six hours at a time. I don't like the sinking feeling of crashing and burning that I always do um, after like a, a two or three-day tournament. So my my idea is is similar to what they're doing in germany in in terms of like the um i think the european pinball olympics but it's it's hard because you do need a lot of machines you don't want to run 10 tournaments playing the same machines over and over again you do need a lot of space you need the right venue it's being worked on but i'm not sure if we can get it together this year
0: well that's one thing i've noticed too about australia and i know you're also not only a collector but you're an operator too and that new moondog is really the big thing there in melbourne isn't it
1: yeah, it's a it's an insane venue. Uh, it's the size kind of of an American football field. They have 72 taps to space their beer, and I, I was lucky enough that I, I went to school with the uh, with a couple of the guys who who ran it. So I got in early. They were going to give me space for one machine, but I convinced them to have a whole little arcade there. So it's great because it's such a popular place, and it's exposing more people to pinball. And I, I love sitting there watching people put their dollar in, and, you know, it's kind of when you realize you you hang around pinball people too much, Jeff, and you're like, well, of course, you know, when you put money in, you press the start button, and then you realize, oh yeah, yeah, and then people, you see, like, I don't know, 50% of people put their money in, and they just look at the look, and they're like, well, how come the game isn't starting? And uh, I'm not sure if it's because (laughs) they've had a couple to drink, or if uh, it's just not as obvious as all of our, you know, us pinheads think it is.
0: Well, you know, I think that's a big reason why Stern introduced the action button. Now, I know I've said this before on this podcast. Do I like the action button? I think it's fine. I think, you know, Jurassic Park, the smart missiles, piece of cake. Deadpool, boom, no problem. It's the multiple times you're bashing it. That's when I have a little bit of a problem. Even Star Trek 2, you've got the uh, Vengeance, but that's only a few hits. I'm talking like TIE Fighter, go crazy and hit it you know, 20, 30 times. That's not pinball. But why they put it on there is to do exactly what you were talking about in the sense that you press it and it starts a game. Kids now know how to do it. Not only does it start
1: a game, it can launch a ball. So I get it for that reason. Yeah. I mean, some people don't even, uh, I mean, I'm, talk- I'm talking about a very small percentage here, but some people don't even know where to put money in. You know, like it, I guess if the coin slot was on the lockdown bar, I mean, like I don't think they would ever do it because it, it ruins that kind of like that nice lockdown bar area, but they're definitely not as intuitive as pinheads think they are. You know what you need? You know, when you scan
0: your credit card, you just tap. Yeah. They need those on the coin boxes. So whether you play or not, it's just taking money out of your credit card. <laughs> There you go. That's what's going to save operators. They've done that, Jeff. <laughs> They've done that. No, but you you walk by and you're like, well, there's 20 credits ah, on okay. this. <laughs> hey, Ryan, walk by this again. So there's Moondog. You've got the state championship. And Marty is really big. I know he's got the, first of all, he does a great stream on Melbourne Silverball, but he has that big event he does every October. So there is a big Victoria presence of pinball and it seems to be growing as we talked about
1: earlier. Yeah, Marty loves to do things a little bit different. Like he didn't, um, also didn't want to replicate what was happening in, um, Brisbane and, and other states. So he tried to model his tournament off what's happening in, in in Indies where you've got a, uh, an unlimited qualifier and a, a, a buy-in. And it worked well because I think it was the, you know, the winner won, I think $2,000 this year. And I think that was possibly the biggest payout there's ever been in, in Victoria. So yeah, pinball's growing and, and everyone's doing their part. How hard is it to get the machines to Australia? I know they have to be shipped. Uh, well, I mean, if you're buying a certain pinball machine, you just buy it off your distributor. There's um, AMD and Zax who do a great job here for that. Um, and then if you want to buy any other machine, it's usually it's Mr. Pimble. If you're talking about buying, you know, hard to find machines, like I saw an alien star come up on, uh, on some Facebook page today in, in the U.S. Get it. No, it, it, it's within a couple of hours, it already sold. Uh, before, you know, I was, I was thinking, ah, oh, should I try and find it, you know? I'm still waiting for the other Ryan. You know, Ryan, you, your are mates. You've, I think you've interviewed Ryan from Comet LED more than, uh, than you've interviewed me, Jeff. I want to be number one Ryan. He has a nice alien star, and he has promised me, and I'll repeat it on your podcast, <laughs> that that machine is mine
0: when it's ready to sell. Ryan Wanger does a great job and you mentioned uh, he's been on the show while he's with Comet Pinball and Comet Pinball is one of the great sponsors of the Pinball Profile World Tour, which is coming not only to Melbourne, but to your place. I've got all my shots. I took the Duke roll, Hep A, Hep B, uh, tetanus (laughs) shot. That's just for going to your house. I don't know if I need it anywhere else in Australia, but I just (laughs) wanted to make sure. Ryan has donated some wonderful prizes for the tour, along with Deep Root Pinball. We've got some cash to give away. We've got Measle Mods, a playfield protector. We've got a beautiful trophy from Ulick Store. Jersey Jack Pinball swag. Stern Pinball. I know I'm bringing a signed George Gomez Deadpool Translate to the uh, Pinball Profile World Tour. And a set of pin stadium lights too that I know are very very popular there. So that thing's worth like two hundred eighty US dollars. So that's going to be coming to the pinball profile world tour, which is already sold out.
1: Which is pretty cool. Yeah, Jeff. We um we, we, we tried to get it to sell out earlier, but we we just said, "Hey, Jeff Teolis is coming," and no one bought tickets. And I'm like, "Hey guys, <laughs> Jeff Teolis is coming. Don't you know who he is? He's from Canada." and No one bought tickets, and then I'm like, "All right, Jeff, let me you know, let me try this," and I said. Check it out, like $1,000 worth of prizes, and bam, within 24 hours, it was sold out uh, pretty much a month in advance.
0: Who's bringing those, I wonder? Oh, yeah, that same Tealos guy that uh, is a do- You lying dog, but I'll let you get away with <laughs> it. So that's fine. It's sold out. Everyone's going to get the lovely T-shirt, and uh, we've only got two more of these left. We've got another one coming up in Manuro, Michigan, also sold out. It's been a lot of fun, but going to now my fourth country with this uh, world tour. And you've got a lot of games, so I know you've got about eighteen working, and we're going to do a flip frenzy. But there's a waiting list, so you might have to get a few more games.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I've got some games there that kind of aren't working. So you're going to put me to hard work, Jeff. I'm not sure what my what my payment is for this thing. Maybe a, you know one of the prizes can be accidentally kind of oh the the Deadpool translate goes to Ryan. Whoa,
0: congratulations! Don't you worry, I've got a special T-shirt made just for you. And- <laughs> And we cannot say what that is on this podcast. If you want to find out what it is, maybe check Ryan's uh, social media or Marty's a little bit later, but I never did it. I have no idea what you're
1: talking about. Yeah, (laughs) I (laughs) can And flip, flip Frenzy is just great. I mean, me and Marty banged on about it for so long, you know, running it on spreadsheets and this, this and that. It really, the growth of um, Flip frenzies being used as like, you know, weekly and monthly tournaments really kind of puts a spotlight on the importance of Andreas. And you've had Andreas on the show, I think maybe a couple of times. A great um, Dean. Yeah. His position in the pinball community, I think is um, heavily underestimated because when he supports something on his website, it just becomes easy. For example... Foot Frenzy is one of them we just talked about. Uh, Fair Strikes. Uh, Fair Strikes, you know, was this idea that I think Keith Johnson had on Tilt Forums and I was starting up a new, for, uh, a new monthly and I said, Fair Strikes sounds really cool because it's a bit of a, a, a twist on the normal strikes rules. I think it's more fair. I don't like the regular three strikes tournaments at all. I only
0: like the fair strikes tournament.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, I, I think I've told the story on the, on the podcast before, but, and, and it probably would have been supported eventually anyway, but I asked Andreas if he can add support for that. And he was like, ah, uh, you can run it by manually adjusting strikes every, every round. And then you called him out on head to head and said,
0: "Andreas is doing nothing. What is my money going towards?" And he <laughs> said, "Fine." I I heard that soapbox
1: chant. I heard it. No, it wasn't that. It was a, I I ran a, a test dummy tournament and I accidentally broke the logic of the website. And I think he, I think he just he did an all nighter and he's like. And I woke up and he was like, here it is, Ryan, like stuff annoying me now. So, um, and I'm not sure what the stats are, but like most strike tournaments now are fair strikes because I think people kind of like them a bit more than the normal three strikes. It makes more sense
0: when you're groups of three and groups of four, it needs to be an even playing field. And that's what fair strikes does. So thank you, Andreas. You talked about the flip frenzy formats as well, too. I think when I look at all the tournaments and the growth of flip frenzies, is it safe to say that Australia was the place that
1: first embraced them? I believe it was from Japan, believe it or not, um, and they called it Pimble, 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 which okay. just—I I don't know—Pimble <laughs> times three. And uh, I think it was Luke Marburg um, decided to kind of like adopt it here in Australia and, and call it Flip Frenzy, and and everyone started running it on on spreadsheets. So. Uh, I'm not sure how it came about in in Japan, but apparently that 's where it came from. All the spreadsheets what sucked about it. I mean it was accurate, but you really it was
0: difficult. It was very very time consuming. The queues would be a little longer because you had to, you had to get it in there figure out where you were going to go. and really the TD could not play. And not that they could or should play in it now, but if everyone 's played a flip frenzy it's pretty easy to do it and everyone can enjoy their time.
1: Yeah, don't, don't underestimate um, how lazy people are and how making something slightly easier than it was before can make something grow. And I'm, I'm sure there's some other formats out there that only certain people run and there's some ideas. But until it's kind of like officially supported or there's an easy way to do it, it's just a barrier to, you know, for TDs who, let's face it, they do all this stuff out of the kindness of their own heart, I guess, or, you know, for the community, they're not, not making money off it. I know another thing I'm
0: looking forward to uh, along with seeing you and Marty in Melbourne is I'm going to check out Haggis Pinball and I know you've seen Damien's Celts uh, machine and uh, it's beautiful. I saw it in Chicago and actually Damien and Georgia are going to be coming to the Pinball Profile World Tour event but uh, I got to check out the facility.
1: Yeah, Damien is an absolute uh, great guy and so is um, Greg the software guy and, and um kind of through Haggis Pimble on the podcast and me running tournaments. He he has rocked up to pretty much every, uh, not every, but a, a lot of tournaments this year. And he, and he actually got the last seed at the Victorian State Champs. So he's, he's becoming a good player as well. Uh, unfortunately, he can't make it because he's quite busy, uh, you know, building building pinball machines. But, um, yeah, I've been to the facility. It's very impressive. I met the artist. You know, I, I helped out doing a, <laughs> doing some uh, some odd jobs around the place. You know, when when you walk Were in Were you there- the model for the ogre? <laughs> it looked like you. You know what? I I thought that
0: unibrow was, yeah, okay, go on. I'm the girl. I'm the girl with the, you know. <laughs>
1: Take it easy. Wrong show, kid. <laughs> <laughs> At least there's no monkey there, right? All right, fair enough. No, so, anyway. Yes, Haggis Pinball. Amazing. Order your uh, pinball from haggaspinball.com. Yeah, it's a, it's a great machine. I've played it. The software is, is pretty advanced for, you know, you can say single level playfield um, machines, uh, you know, people say, oh, TNA was quite simple. Yeah, this, this probably has more rules than a lot of the, uh, pinball machines with ramps. So if you want to order it, haggaspinball.com. Damien will help you out. Mention, mention the code Ryan Pinball Profile for <laughs> at least 2% off.
0: We're going to have Damien on very soon because I'm going to be going there, as I mentioned, and he's also coming. So we'll hear from, we'll hear kind of a recap of what happens there in Melbourne. So, uh, you've kind of dusted off the mic a little bit and, uh, come on this podcast. I've heard you on TWIP as well, and of course, many times on Head to Head. Are you going to get back into podcasting, Ryan? I know that's the question on everyone's mind. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll, I'll, I'll jump on a podcast every once in a while, but, um, I, I, don't really want it to be part of my weekly routine. It's a, it's a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of um, – it can be kind of stressful. And it's been talked about before by, by you and Dennis Kreisel from the Eclectic Gamers podcast. Keeping yourself to like a, a weekly podcast is – It's insanity. It's, it's not insanity, but – Nope, it, doing can't it, do it. Yeah. Th- I think there are enough podcasts that um, do it quite seriously – Respect to all those that do it
0: weekly, but I'm not going to be tied down to this, as this is not a full time job. It is a great hobby, and you have to enjoy doing it. And you might get eight episodes a month, you might get four, but uh, it's kind of at my leisure, and that's what will keep me going strong and 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 doing it. The others, you know, you just said it yourself. You just said it. Kind of the burnout factor. The the difficulty
1: the grind it yeah. it wears on people it wears on you and i guess um as i said it was it was every for us every monday night so i knew that like for now until whenever i quit the podcast which i never wanted to do it was every single monday night for the rest of my life i was going to be doing this and it was and, and, and it was it was fun but then you you know you have a little bit of a break and you're like well you know, now I can do this. And, and life, as you know, Jeff, is all about balance. And I, I struggle with balance sometimes, I guess. Um, when I do something, I don't do it half-heartedly. So I, I guess I got a little bit too much into podcasting. I had to take a step back.
0: Well, we enjoyed when you were on it. It was a lot of fun. Here's an example. I'm doing this today. Do I really want to be doing this? I'm like, no, not really. I'll pretend like I like Ryan. But I'll, I'll fake it. But I don't want to fake it all the time. You know what I mean? What you um, What time is it there, Jeff? It's 1 40
1: a.m. <laughs> exactly. It's so crazy. Can you imagine like telling your work colleagues or just some random person, Oh, what do you do in your spare time? I do a pinball podcast. By the way, I was recording one at 2 a.m. with some guy in Australia. It's kind of weird, right? <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Yeah. I guess the best part is that me and Muddy are now like, you know, lifelong friends because of it. And we had. We had so much fun, regardless of um, people poking fun of, of um, you know us, you know laughing too much and not taking things seriously. Once you come to Australia, Jeff, that's you'll learn that that's what Australians are like, regardless of how dire a situation is. Um, the way that Australians survive, I guess, is through the commonality of our um, our humour and being able to just say, you know, she'll be right and uh, and moving on. Our countries are very similar that way when it comes
0: to laughter being the best medicine. So. And I think that's why you and I kind of talk. For those who may not know,
1: almost every single day. Yes, Jeff, you've you've helped me out with my uh, a lot of things over the last uh, year or so, including uh, fixing my pool. Guys and girls, if you're if if you're <laughs> listening and need some uh, advice on how to clear algae from your pool, just just call Jeff Teolis, expert. Well, first of all, you call it algae,
0: not algae. I don't know what algae is. Is that like a the sequel to algar? It's algae. It's um. It's the say it with me. Al- algae algae that's what it's called by the way say the word popsicle for me
1: it doesn't exist jeff that's not a word in australia
0: everybody listening to this podcast and i'd say 80 <laughs> percent are north americans know what a popsicle is but when i was i don't know, facetiming you or something like that and i'm seeing you eat something what's that in your mouth and you said it's an ice pop
1: Ice pop, icy pole. What's 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 the what's the what's the deal with pop and cola and you know soda pop? It's not soda pop. It's oh gosh. You call it an icy pop? An icy pole. An icy pole. We don't use the word pop in anything unless you're popping a balloon. An icy pole. What do you call a coke? A soda? You call
0: coke coke because that's what it is, Jeff. <laughs> what if I say what kind of soda do you have or what kind of pop do you have? Pop's very Canadian. Maybe that's what it is. Soda. Uh, They call
1: them soft drinks. Soft drinks. I'm not sure where the soft comes from. Nobody says soft drinks. That's two words. In in Australia, they do. On the menu, you'll see soft drinks. You won't see soda or pop. Pop
0: doesn't exist at all. Listen, I know it's going to be hotter than you know what there because it's your summertime right there. I'm not ask as much as I love eating popsicles here and ice cream, I'm not going to ask
1: for an icy pole. Do you have – uh well, you can ask for the brand. There's a brand here that kind of like almost has a monopoly on the market called uh, uh, a Zuba Duba. You can ask for a Zuba Duba if you want.
0: That's not even a real word. <laughs> well, of course it's not a real word. It's a brand. You can't even say McDonald's in Australia. Well, we call it Maccas. You actually have ads that run that say, come to Maccas for a big Mac. You can't say McDonald's? We can't say McDonald's.
1: It's just it's, – it's a lot of syllables. Maccas just sounds better. What people in the US call it, what, Mickey D's? Mickey D's, that's fine. Again, it's short form of McDonald's. Yeah, Macca's. You've taken the Donald out of it when you say Macca's. Australians are very lazy and, um, what they. I'm gathering. What they do is, is they get like the first letter of your, your last name, right? Like if there's a guy called, um, you know, Mr. McDonald's or something, I'm like, hey, Macca, how are you going? I've got a day, a, a mate called Dave McKinnon. He's, he's Macca. Everyone just calls him Macca. So I guess you'll be tacker Tacker? (laughs) we'll we'll find we'll find another name for you jeff maybe olive
0: king so uh, you're gonna introduce me (laughs) inside story (laughs) (laughs) ask me in person so if you're introducing me to somebody
1: named mr williams i'm gonna go hey whacker what's up he's gonna (laughs) punch me in the mouth what hey what's well okay the, the, there's there's simple things like um, jumper, you know about that, right? You call your your s- a sweater a jumper, which you probably won't need when you come because you're coming in in the middle of uh, summer.
0: I was gonna bring thongs, but you told me those
1: are sandals or flip flops. Yeah, flip flops. Flip flops. I'm not bringing either. Don't worry. Bathers. Do You call them bathers there, or do you call them like swimmers or something or trunks? Trunks, swimsuits. How about how about budgie smugglers? I know what that is. Yes.
0: Well, I will learn the language, whatever it is, but what I really want to know about is that the safety of everyone is on the forefront of everybody on this side of the planet, wondering what it's like there, you know. New South Wales certainly has seen the most, Victoria, and that's where you are, uh, the second most, there's even a lot in, even in Western Australia, as of right now, over 2,000 homes have been lost, I mean... In Canada there's a lot of forest fires in BC but uh, not in highly populated areas. California the last two falls have just been devastating. And here we're seeing it. I think your transport minister said it's like an atomic bomb has gone off. Nearly 500 million birds, reptiles, mammals have sadly been killed in New South Wales. It's pretty bad. I mean, I know you're in a safe spot there in Melbourne, but you even told me like the skies are pretty hazy
1: yeah uh looking out the window today uh the visibility is pretty poor and the air quality is pretty poor because you know the wind i, I guess the wind is the is the biggest one here it is extremely dry 2019 was the the hottest uh ever recorded temperatures in new south wales where you know it, it's it's most affected and you know, the combination of it being extremely dry and and the wind um they they pretty much can't stop the fires jeff and to grasp how Big the area is that um, has has been devastated by fires. Um, it's kind of about the size of Ireland for those people in in Europe. And I was trying to find a state that had a similar size because it, it's um, but I, I couldn't find the, a list of state sizes by by hectares. But basically, it's it's Connecticut, which is a smallish kind of um, state in the US. It's six times the size of that. So six ta- six connecticuts have burnt down to the ground. And I know there's been a lot of support.
0: Celeste Barber has, through her social media, raised these millions and millions of dollars. And, and the money goes to the new South Wales Fire Service. But a lot of people are stepping up now. But, I mean, money's great. It's certainly going to help people rebuild. But putting up these fires,
1: that's that's the key right now. Yeah, there's um, there's a lot of help coming from, from other countries. I think you mentioned before we started recording that um, even the Canadian firefighters are heading down to, to help out. California, um, big time? Yep. So, uh, everyone's, uh, we, it, it, you know, all Australians appreciate, um, any help, any monetary, uh, aid that, um, you guys can supply to help those devastated by the fires. But at the same time, um, you know, you just got to kind of like cross your fingers and, and hope that the weather changes so that uh, you know some rain can come in. And, and I mean, this is a they call it the fire season, um, and, and other countries have it as well. And, and sometimes it doesn't reach you know the global news scale because it you know it, it happens every year and then it stops. But I'm pretty sure this is the worst one in a you know over ten years, um, certainly probably longer than that. And you know, there's debates about climate change and and what we can do to stop it. But I guess that kind of at the moment detracts from you know, stuff in the fires at the moment and financial aid. Yeah.
0: I certainly hope the weather changes and, and assists all the firefighters. Uh, we're going to put on our Facebook page and Twitter and our Instagram page, uh, some of the places if you'd like to donate to, and, and there certainly are quite a few, but we've got a few of them listed that will, We'll put on there, and uh, yeah, let's let's hope uh, things get settled. It's expected to be hot there right now. You're not surprised that you know in your summer season that it's like this, but the fires—I mean, that's that's a whole nother story. And uh, hopefully, this will get contained at the very least.
1: Yeah, if you if you're thinking of traveling to Australia and traveling to a, a major city. You know, the major cities are safe. You know, the fires can't burn through, uh, you know, the suburban kind of city CBD areas. But Australia's, a, a, everyone thinks that Australia is, is small because our population is, you know, maybe 25 million or so. Uh, Australia is almost as big as, as the US. Um, it except, is, the mainland, yeah. Yeah, except, it's, you know, the population is less than one-tenth. So, we are all kind of around the, you know, the borders and the coast. But you said so the area and there's still dozens of people that have lost their lives and the wildlife effect is is pretty damn big. So, um, yeah, if you can link some some places to donate, Jeff, that'd be great, you know, including maybe the RSPCA, which, you know, um, will help with all of the, you know, the displaced animals as well.
0: I saw that Steve Irwin's family, Bindi and, and the rest of them were rescuing. I think they've rescued almost 100000 animals, too. So they're doing their part. But still, I mean, it's just such a huge, huge area. So we'll put those links on there. Ryan, I will see you. I'll see you soon, Jeffy boy. It's going to be a lot of fun. And by the way, thank you for not participating in the Pinball Profile World Tour and actually TDing it and, and doing the software so that everyone else can enjoy it. So I appreciate you giving us your home and, uh, you know, not playing in the tournament. I think that was really kind of you. Did I tell you about that? Typical Jeff Tacker. That is not happening. All right. Kacker? Uh- <laughs> 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 Thanks, Ryan. All the best, buddy. See you soon. See ya. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find our group on Facebook. We're also on Twitter at Pinball Profile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. And check us out on Instagram at Pinball Profile. And please check our links too to see how you can help with the new South Wales fires that are happening right now in Australia. I'm Jeff Teolas.